Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989 9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning. Let's say hello to Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. Good today. morning. Nice to see you and again, good Teresa. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in, helping our, uh, our listeners out either by phone or by text. And before you and I chat, let me give the phone number. We've cleared the line, so if you want to call in your question for Teresa, 651-989-9226, or how about a text, 81807, 81807. We're already starting to get some text messages. (laughs) You and I were were chatting before uh, we went on the air Mm -hmm. about um, uh, different folks, different yards, some Need some moisture and some, and some certainly definitely don't. don't right? Yeah. How is it in your yard? Um, my yard actually runs a little dry. Oh, it so does. So we okay. got we got we didn't get as much rain as I was hoping yesterday uh, and Thursday, but I think uh, I have to do a little bit watering today. Okay. The, the containers. I don't water plants at all um, in the ground, but I do water the containers, and they they needed some. I remember when we were uh, driving back from Mankato a couple of weeks ago, the corn was. Like it seemed like it was twelve feet high. It's amazing how tall. Of course, it again, is. a lot of the rivers, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the flooding yep. down in south yep. southwest mm-hmm. Minnesota. It's, and it's, that's uh, hard. That's oh, hard on the farmers and the time. crops and everything. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's feast or famine sometimes. It is. Right? It is. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, any other tips for uh, watering? How, how do we uh, how do we know if it needs water? Well, you know, the best thing is to go out there and see what the what the soil is doing. So, if you if you can't just tell by looking at your plants, and a lot of people can't, yeah. so go out and um, if you're really concerned, you know, uh, if you know you haven't gotten say an inch of water, they always say an inch of water a week, but some plants take more and some less. So, go out if you're in uh, outside of the root zone of the plant, dig down about five six inches. That's where most of the roots are. And see what the soil is like. Okay. Is it really dry? Is it really wet? And um, and then water accordingly. And you want to water um, infrequently and deeply. So the roots have to really go down searching for, for the uh, water because if they stay at the surface, the surface dries out a lot faster. And so if you're gone and you can't water, all those surface roots will die. But if they're deeper, there's more chance mm. that there's some water and it's cooler and they'll be able to survive. Interesting. Mm-hmm. If you have a question for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, call it in, text it in. Here's a text, then we'll get to the phones, Teresa. Uh, I was told to cut the lower leaves on my tomato plant as they are suckers. Should I do this? 
Um, where your tomato blooms, that that level of leaves, that scaffold um, level of leaves, you can leave those leaves on. It's never going to bloom further below. Um, if you want to leave one level lower than that, that's okay. And then you can take off everything else below. Those aren't suckers. Those are just scaffold leaves. But they also vector diseases up because when the, when the water splashes on the ground, it can splash diseases onto the leaf. And then the next rain comes and it splashes diseases from that leaf onto the next leaf. So that's why these, these blights work their way up. Um, suckers are usually in the crotches of, of the tomato plants. Oh, yeah. And so you have, the, you have like the trunk or the stem and then you have a big stem coming off of the side. And then between the two at a 45 degree angle, there'll be another stem. And if you want to take off that, that's the sucker. You can just pinch those off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, let's go to the phones. Let's see who has been waiting first. Uh, Mary Lou is calling from Crystal, I believe. Hi, Mary Lou. Hi, Mary Lou. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I have a question about my magnolia tree. Mm-hmm. I um, took a branch in, and I realized that it has a gall, G-A-L, mm-hmm. and I'd, I've been cleaning them off, mm-hmm. and I'd like to know who's doing that, and what does it become, and is mm-hmm. it going to come back every year? Mm-hmm. Okay, now now there's a difference between galls and scale. So galls are usually on the leaves. And if they're, what it is, is it's a little insect that has laid eggs on the leaf and made like a little protective covering of the eggs. And then the little insect hatches out of there and goes on its merry way. Galls are usually just totally, they're, they're benign. You don't have to worry about them. Some years you'll have them, some years you won't. And some are pretty interesting looking, some are really bizarre looking. Um, they don't bother your plants at all. They make the leaves maybe a little deformed or something, but plants can handle that. It's, it's like an unpaying renter is what it is, and then they go away and they don't do any damage. However, if you have scale, which is a, a little insect that has like a little armadillo covering over it when it's an adult, and those are usually on the stem of the plant, and they're a sucker, a sucker insect, and they like to suck the juices out of your plant, and they will kill your plant. And magnolia mm. scale, we're seeing a lot more of Really? It. And that you do have to treat. Okay. You have to scrape them off. You have to use horticulture oil, or you have to use a systemic that makes your whole plant poisonous because they will kill your magnolia. Well, so galls uh, on the leaves are okay, fine. All kinds of plants get galls. They're funny looking. They're cool looking. They're weird looking. Um, but scale on a plant is something you want to take care wow. of. That's an insect. Mm-hmm. There you go, Mary Lou. Uh, Bev in Minneapolis is calling in with a question. Go ahead, Bev. Hey, Bev. Uh, yes, I might say that I lost my magnolia the same way last year. To scale. Year. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing but, a lot more of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I want, I have a small front yard that's quite shady, and I just can't get grass to grow there. And mm-hmm. I've decided I want to, to uh, uh, put perennial or mm-hmm. uh, hostas in there and uh, shade-loving perennials. Mm-hmm. But I have to get rid of my creeping Charlie from the neighbor first. Okay. Ah, yes. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I've sprayed with re- weed killer. How mm-hmm. long should it be before I can put rototill it up? And Okay. Um, f- there's there's a few things going on there. So um, depending upon, you have to make sure when you're rototilling that you're not going to be hurting tree roots. So think about that. You may just want to smother everything rather than actually rototilling. When you rototill, you will bring more weed seeds to the surface, so that may be more creeping charlie seeds, so you may have a lot more creeping charlie growing afterwards. So if you have to rototill, um, just read the instructions on the label of the product you use.
used, and it usually will say when you can plant or when um, when you can seed after that, and that'll give you an idea of when you can start um, moving uh, the soil around. If you don't want to uh, to, to, to rototill, um, just cutting the grass really short, uh, getting the ground nice and wet, and then um, putting a, a five or six or ten layers of newspaper on it, and then putting either some topsoil, uh, some compost, or mulch, and then just dig through that area and plant your perennials, and then you don't have to dig anything up. Um, you can do that. Just just make a hole and plant your perennials. There's a lot of beautiful shade perennials. You can even consider if you need some height, adding a viburnum or a serviceberry. That'll give you some height, like a small tree or bush. And then um, uh, an understory of perennials, really pretty, some ferns and hostas and epimediums and coral bells. You can make it an absolutely beautiful, beautiful thing. Some good ideas. Mm-hmm. Also, our first Creeping Charlie question. Also, our first Creeping Charlie question. <laughs> By the way, our uh, Smart Garden Show is uh, brought to us every week by our friends at By the Art Outdoor Furniture. We'll talk about those uh, that family-run business coming up in a few minutes or so. Uh, let's see. I'm going to grab a text here, and then we'll get back to the phones, uh, Teresa. Uh, new amaryllis last winter produced extremely long, tall leaves, no blooms, cut leaves down, and planted the bulb in flower bed for the summer. No flowers again. Long, tall leaves. Will we ever see this bloom? Maybe we got a dud. <laughs> I, you probably didn't get a dud, dud. Maybe it just didn't get enough light or or for some reason it didn't. All of the leaves that's growing right now are really just bringing energy into that bulb. So this summer, I think, especially if it's out in the perennial garden, you should be able to get a lot of energy into that bulb. And then um, you can dig it up and bring it in and then let it, you know, regrow it. And you should see some... Um, some flowers this this winter. Oh, yeah. You should have seen flowers last winter. They usually have it going, so it does that. And the bulbs are usually quite good to do that. So it's kind of unusual that it didn't flower. Back to the phones we go, Teresa. Jim and Chanhassen has been waiting. Go ahead, Jim. We're Hi, listening. Jim. Yes, good morning. Good morning. I have uh, in the front of our house, four feet apart from one another, two purple sand cherries. Mm-hmm. And they are about five feet tall. Mm-hmm. One of them is doing wonderfully. The other one now has gone, and it's gone very wilted. I mean, it's the, the leaves are drooping mm-hmm. like it's dying. Yep. My question is, um, what would cause one mm-hmm. of them to go and yep. not the other? Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe it would be like moisture. Mm-hmm. They both are getting about the same moisture. They're under an eave. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there is there some kind of a disease that one of them might have? There's um, well, there's a fo- few possibilities. It could be a moisture issue, actually, because you don't know how the water is circulating. So it could be one could be getting too much water or too little water. So in that case, I would dig down in the soil and see what the soil is like. If it looks like it's good and it's fairly moist or it's not soupy and it's not really dry, then that's not an issue. I would also consider borers, um, insects that like to bore into the stems and the trunks of of plants, and then they um, stop the movement of water and nutrition up and down from the leaves to the roots and vice versa, and that causes the wilting. So check that stem uh, for a little hole, check down um, as far as the wilting goes, and you'll probably find that there's a borer. And then you can do some research and see when you should treat your borers because they're inside the plant. There's not much you can do except make use a systemic, and that has issues anyway, um, and it may or may not work. So, so you want to find out what borer it is and when to treat it because there's certain times you can treat it. Um, so that that's uh, what I would look for is a borer. Okay. B-O-R-E-R. We need to take a quick okay. break. 
But we will be back. I know we're getting calls about Japanese beetles. We can address those too. Oh, good. I have some tips on those. Oh, good. Very good. And uh, text messages as well. This is our Smart Garden Show here on 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. First of all, uh, I'm going to go get back to the phones, but uh, some folks wanted the uh, extension. U of M E. Uh, yeah, so uh, mm-hmm. could you yep. do that? That's extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab. And there's also a little button there, I believe, that you can click on contact us or ask a question. And But there's a really lot of good information on there on Japanese beetles, creeping Charlie, lawn questions, watering, magnolias, all kinds of good stuff. Good, on yeah, it's a great yep. resource. Again, it's and called it's extension.umn.edu. Umn.edu, and I just wanted to say a shout out to everybody who came to the Hennepin County Master oh, yeah. Gardener Plant uh, Garden Tour, Learning Garden Tour. Thank you, you guys did a great job, and thank you for visiting all of our gardens. We really appreciated your support of the program and your visiting our gardens. Was that a warm day? Is that it was a warm yeah. day. <laughs> yes. I was kind of worried about some of the garden hosts. I, I was worried because they were out there all day long. But they did a good job. A well, good deal. I'll tell you what, there's a couple of folks here uh, that have questions, I believe, about Japanese okay. beetles. Roger's the first one. Roger, what is your question? Hey, Roger. Good morning. Um, I live in a small lot on mm-hmm. the east side of St. Paul that's uh, quite infested, and I put up some of those bag of bugs. Mm-hmm. And they fill up quickly, but I'm just wondering if um, if they are diverting bugs from my plants or they're inviting more in. They're the inviting more in from a far, far, far distance away. So the U of, you know, University of Minnesota is suggesting people not use the Japanese beetle traps. They do attract a lot more beetles than you may normally see, which is why you're seeing the bags fill up so much. Um, so what I would do is maybe not use those traps, but I would also go out early in the morning and knock some Japanese beetles, not as many as you can, into either soapy water or um, take a milk jug, cut it in half, and then turn it upside down so you have like a little funnel and keep the handle on. And then you can attach a plastic bag to the bottom, to the to the opening, and then you can just knock the beetles in there and they'll just slide down in there and then you can tie up the bag and throw them away so you don't even have to carry water around. Um, in the morning, they're not as active because they're cold-blooded, so you can get them. In the middle of the day, they just laugh as they fly away. So <laughs> middle of the day, and it's hard to be laughed at by Japanese beetles. It really hurts your ego. So, but don't, um, don't use those traps. Those Don't use those traps. They seem to attract a lot more hmm. than, and, and it, the, the key is um, to get out there early in the season and scout and get the early ones so that as they chew your, the plant's leaves, those leaves emit a fragrance or, or uh, uh, something that um, tells other plants they're being attacked, but it also lets other beetles know that, hey, there's good food over here. So it's kind of like when the neighbor barbecues and it smells really good, that's kind of what it is. Oh, so you want to make sure you stop it as soon as possible. All right, Roger, thank you. Now, Peg, Peg and Egan has a question. I believe, Did that help you, Peg? Hi, Peg. Yes, it did very much. Excellent. I have cannas right by the bird. They love cannas. Mine won't bloom, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, how can I treat those beetles and not hurt the birds or the bees that are... Yep, the, yep, it's a manual picking is what you have to do because they have a they have a little the shell on the outside their their body is such that a lot of um, insecticides won't impact them as much and so you just really it's a manual kind of treating things that you have to do and and it's a bit of a hassle and it and it's a problem um, but that's what you got to do. 
There you go, yeah, Peg. Sorry about that. And if you have grass, let your grass grow a little bit taller and make sure those roots are going a little bit deeper and you'll see a lot less grub damage. It's when the roots are really shallow and the grass is really short, you can see a lot of grub damage from the Japanese oh. beetles. All right. I want to get back to the text screen, but first, Kathy is calling in from Coon Rapids, I believe. Go ahead, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. I have perennial hibiscus and I've had them for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And they've always bloomed beautifully. This year, the leaves at the top are all curling inward, Mm. and there's no buds on them. Mm -hmm. What could that be? I've sprayed them. I've done everything, Mm -hmm. and I can't figure it out. I'm I'm not 100% sure, but I would be leaning toward um, just the weird weather we've been having, the hot and cold and hot and cold and really super hot. I think everything's just a little stressed. I would definitely, you know, it's even a little early for them to be blooming, so I just I just keep making sure you're watering them. Give them a little bit of fertilizer if that's needed in this case, and um, they should outgrow that problem. It could be, too, when you see uh, damage on the top, um, uh, leaves curling, um, kind of curling in on them themselves. It could be a pesticide drift, or I'm sorry, an herbicide drift, and someone somewhere may have sprayed an herbicide and it became windborne, and it managed to brush the top of your plants. The good thing is, is if your plant wasn't killed by it, the plant can outgrow it. So that's a really good re- uh, good idea to be careful when you're spraying anything that you're reading the instructions and making sure you're, you know, what's the wind doing? How hot is it? How cold is it? When is it going to rain? You've got to, you've got to meet all the criteria on that label before you use the product. All right. Good luck. Very good. Texter says all of my plants and my lawn are looking yellow. What can this be attributed to? It could possibly be too much water. It could possibly be too little water. I'd almost lean with too much water, and maybe if you have received a lot of watering, a lot of the nitrogen may have been washed out of the soil. That moves through the soil pretty quickly. Nitrogen does, and that's what helps our plants green up. So you may want to top dress with either um, a a little bit of nitrogen fertilizer, like on your lawn. Um, If it's not hot, and this week should be kind of cool, so maybe you could use it. Um, Otherwise, just a a nice uh, top dressing of some compost. But um, usually yellowing leaves after a lot of water means that you're just, your plant's kind of, uh, I want to say hungry. It, it can access the, the nutrition. It's lots of the nutrition has been washed out of the soil. All right. We have another half hour of the show to go. Hang on, Teresa. We'll uh, take this uh, quick break. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show brought to us every week by our friends at By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is with us today. We're getting a lot of a reaction about those uh, Japanese beetles. In fact, I know you want to repeat something, but Alice, mm-hmm. Alice and Lindstrom, Alice, do you have a another question about the Japanese beetle? Hello. Well, I've got had a lot of their lacy leaves yes. on my zinnia mm-hmm. flowers, and I drowned drowned the plants in seven. You can hardly see the leaves. There's so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't seem, I don't see it on my cucumber. Cucumber plants are right there with them and tomato plants, and they're not bothering them. And I I don't know if the seven is going to um, physically or not physically hurt any of the plants that bear fruit, like cucumbers. Mm-hmm. Um, um, seven is a pl- as an insecticide you can use on your on your vegetables. Um, you may just want to read the instructions in case there's a time when you when you shouldn't be using it, like right before you um, before you harvest or something. But you're not going to eat your zinnias, so it's not going to really blow onto your zinnias or onto your tomatoes or cukes. So you're okay with that. 
All right. Now, yeah. somebody wanted to uh, you to repeat your direction about hand. Because I talk too gosh darn fast. Hand, okay. <laughs> hand picking Japanese All right. beetles. So take a gallon milk jug. Cut it in half so you're doing a top and a bottom. The top part, um, turn upside down so it's now like a funnel. And keep the handle on it so you have something to hold. And then you just take a little plastic bag and like the kind you get your newspapers in. You can attach that with a rubber band or a twist tie or something at the bottom where the where the milk would normally come out. And then all you have to do is knock the Japanese beetles into that little funnel and they'll just fall into the bag. And then you can just tie the bag up and throw it away. Mm. So you, you don't have to lug water around. Um, and if you want to and you don't get that many Japanese beetles the first time, just tie up the little bag uh, with the Japanese beetles way at the bottom and just leave the bag for the next day. Um, and the beetles will still be in the bottom, but there'll be a little knot above them so they can't get out again. Um, so that's a, it's kind of a – and I, I can't take credit for this. I heard this from a – Per person at the state fair that said her son came up with this. So oh, right. I cannot take credit for this wonderful idea. I have a feeling we'll be repeating that before <laughs> the summer is out. Uh, here's a texter. By the way, that text number is 81807. Then we'll get back to the phones. My irises are four years old and bloomed for the first time last year. This mm-hmm. year, they did not bloom at all. The plants look healthy. Mm-hmm. Any ideas? Irises, you do need to feed them. They are um, they are heavy feeders because that bloom is so gorgeous. You want to make sure also that they're getting full sun because they are a full sun plant and that they're not getting crowded. So if they've been there four years, it may be, depending upon how you planted them, they may be getting too crowded. And if they're too crowded, they do need to be divided in August. Um, now, now, the tricky part to irises are when you pull them up, they, they kind of, I want to say they walk. And what happens is um, they grow in a certain one direction. So if you can make sure they're growing outwards, so as you see the mother iris, and then they'll they'll be like little um, little juts out of the of the corm, and that's where the the new plants will be the daughter irises. So if you can put those in a circle facing outward, then you don't have to. Um, to divide them as frequently, but a lot of people don't pay attention and maybe they're crashing into each other or something, so they're getting too tight. Those would be uh, my suggestions. Not enough fertilizer, not enough compost, uh, too much, not enough sun, and then that they're being crowded. All right, I'm going to get back to the phones, but there's a texter that wants a recommendation of a nice front yard tree. I'd like one that uh, the roots are deep and not shallow. I don't want the roots on top of my lawn. Then you don't want a maple, right. so no maples. Um, you know, you could you could look at something depending upon the size of your tree. The extension site has some really good um, options for trees. Um, extension.umn.edu. Think about uh, if you want something smaller, you could do a pagoda dogwood if it's a shady area. If it's sunny, um, you know, a small oak tree might or an oak tree might be nice. If you want a bigger tree, uh, oaks are great. Uh, service berries are a nice tree, can take sun and shade. They also are shrubs, but they can be trees. Um, it really depends on what your soil is what kind of light it's going to get and how big you want it to be. So there's a lot of trees out there, ornamental crab apples, fruit trees. All of those are great, great options. So there's just a ton, but maybe stay away from the maples because they do have a lot of surface roots. Back to the phones we go. Roger's calling from Owatonna, Minnesota. Roger, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hey, Roger. Good morning. Uh, uh, I've got two questions. I'll try to stay on the line here maybe if I I can. But the first one is about... uh, some small oak trees that are coming up through the uh, through the grass. Mm-hmm. They're just a, they uh, obviously they just must have lost more acorns last fall than mm-hmm. I realized. Yep. But I've got a couple hundred of them. They're maybe four to six inches tall, mm-hmm. 
Can I dig any of those out right now and put them in pots? I sure, sure can't dig out all of them. Yeah, you, you can, you can or... do that. No, go ahead, dig them out now where they're smaller. Um, just treat them gently. Make sure they stay watered. Uh, it would be amazing if we did not mow our lawns, how many tree seedlings we would see in our lawn. So because you're mowing all the time, you're often cutting those seedlings down. But if you do miss them, then they can come up. So go ahead, plant them up now. Plant them at the same depth they're growing. You want those roots pretty near the surface so that they don't um, they don't become uh, girdling roots later on. Okay, so I don't have to wait. Then nope. mm-hmm. Go right. ahead, do them now. The other question is this. I've got two red oak trees that are about maybe 18 years old, mm-hmm. uh, DBH of eight or something. Uh, two of them have a kind of a whitish mold right at the base of the tree, right where it's touching the soil. Right. It's, it's, the bark is kind of disintegrating there. Right. there. What's, what's it it almost sounds like it could be an amelaria rot or something. I would definitely have a tree, an arborist, come out and look at that. Um, it could be that the tree has to be taken out. It's not going to be healthy. It's rotting from the inside. That's what I would, I would have an arborist look at that because it does sound like there's something going on inside the tree that you want to get either taken care of or remove the tree and start over before it gets too far along. Very good. Sorry about that. All right, Roger. I want to get back to the tech screen, but Diane and Hugo has been waiting. Diane, what is your question? Thanks for waiting, Diane. Oh, you're welcome. I just found out I have choke cherry and choke berry trees on yes. our property, mm-hmm. and I was wondering which was more edible. Also, the choke berry tree has a blackish, purplish fruit, which reminds me of the berries of a buckthorn, but right. I don't think buckthorns are ripe yet. They shouldn't be ripe yet. No. I, I believe they're both edible. Uh, the choke cherry is probably a little more palatable. Um, the choke berry is is quite astringent. They're both going to be quite astringent. And uh, the choke cherry, the choke berries, the aronia, those you kind of need to go through some freezing and thawing and until they're almost palatable in into like January, February. That's when most of the animals will eat them. Uh, for choke, so so they're both going to be quite quite astringent or quite not super palatable. So yeah, it's not like you're going to go out and eat tons of them, but go ahead and try them. Um, make sure you have identified them properly and enjoy. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Identify <laughs> do, them properly. Yes, yeah. do make sure you've identified them properly. Here's an interesting question, a lawn question. Does granular lawn fertilizer lose potency if held over from one year to another? It should not if it's not getting wet. If it gets wet, then, of course, it, it kind of gets a little goofy and things will, um, you know, leach away from it. Uh, if you have a liquid thing, you don't want it to be frozen. Uh, so if you can keep your granular stuff dry and your liquid stuff not frozen, you should be okay. But do read the instructions. The granular should be fine, though. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this next text, uh, you, uh, you're going to refer to uh, what you mentioned the first half of the show. Uh, let me Let me just read it. Um, this is crazy, Texter says. First year this has ever happened. I have one of those, I guess you call hybrid magnolia trees that only get 15 feet tall in my front yard that is absolutely beautiful. But this year, for the first time, I have wasp, black hornets, bees, and a thousand flies on the sunny side. They're all over the leaves. I thought maybe something was dead, but I can find nothing but a lot of the leaves are black just with the uh, mm-hmm. stuff from the insects. Mm-hmm. Is that what you were talking about earlier? I, I think you're probably seeing uh, honeydew on the leaves, which is what the scale, the scale does not, um, 
does not it ingests the sugars, but there's some sugars it basically poops or, or urinates out, and that falls on the leaf. And the other insects are attracted to it because it's high carbohydrates, high nutrition, or high energy. So that's why. And then a lot of the leaves might turn black because then that starts to get kind of moldy. So that's probably what you're seeing is the result of scale or other insects. Uh, aphids can do uh, the honeydew also. So I would start to look for some some insect problem either a scale on the stems and branches or if you see a lot of aphids or something like that. Aphids not usually on a magnolia because the bark's too thick, but that's what I would look for, scales or something on the, okay. on the yeah. Texter wants to know, when can I transplant my rhubarb? Best time is in the spring. If you have to do it in the fall, that's not the best time, but do it, uh, say, maybe between September 1st and September 15th or so. You want to give it another good six weeks before it the ground freezes so it can get uh, rooted back in again. And if you do transplant in the fall, then you want to make sure that you keep well watered till the ground starts to freeze and that you mulch it a little bit the first year so it doesn't frost heap out of the ground in January and February. Okay. Teresa, we need to take a, a okay. quick break here. We have more show to come here on our Smart Garden Show. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney is uh, with us. And Teresa, oh, we have tons of uh, text messages. Let's see if we can't uh, help out as many as we can. Okay. And if we can't get to you, go to extension.umn.edu to answer, ask your questions. Or if you live in the Twin Cities, head to your farmer's market. We have Master Gardeners everywhere there. That's a good idea. Nice day for that. Mm, it's a beautiful day. I ordered, Texter said, some hybrid willows, planted them about three weeks ago, and nothing is growing. Did I do something wrong? Well, three weeks ago, it was probably pretty hot. Yeah, so they may sure. have had a transplant shock. What I would do is maybe carefully bend them to see if they're still alive. If they're really brittle, they probably have died. So you may want to contact the person you ordered them from and say they did not make it. Can I get a replacement? I've heard... That Texas is so much about hybrid plants now. Mm-hmm. Now, are most plants at nurseries hybrid, or are the heirloom plants still being sold? You know, most of your uh, perennials that you're going to see, a lot of them are hybrids. They'll have fancy names, fancy colors. You'll see uh, the natives will not be hybrid, and then you'll find heirlooms in your vegetables. So, if you're looking for more native plants, look for something that says native plant. Uh, that's your best way to find a native. Uh, but most of the perennials, because we like the flowers, have been bred to have flowers or color or smell or grow to a certain height or not grow to a certain height. So they are hybrids. There's nothing wrong with them, but they are hybrids. So those are the kinds of plants you'll find at the nursery. Okay. Another texter is talking about a lawn question. Uh, good morning. says, I have brown tips on my grass blades browning areas on my new sod that was put down last fall and now on my existing turf. I've had two diagnoses from lawn companies, which are different, Mm -hmm. and different suggestions for treatment. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're asking about a turf specialist. Could they get help from the website as well? They could probably go to the website and ask, ask some questions. But what I would suggest, first of all, make sure your lawn blade is very sharp. If, you're, if it's not sharp, it rips the blades and you don't get a nice clean cut. Uh-huh. So, the bla- so the blades, of it, 
your blade on the mower rips the blades of grass so you don't get a nice clean cut on those blades and then they don't seal up properly so then you get a lot of damage like that. So if that's what you're seeing, browning tips, that would be my guess that your mower um, needs a sharpening of the blade. And it tears it it rather than cutting it. That could be the first thing and maybe try that and and see how that works for you. Otherwise, then go do to the extension, go to the website and there's some great information on there. Um, Sam and his group crew has really done some really good information on good information for sure mm-hmm. you know and there's a, we have a what's wrong with your plant so you can just go through this is this is what's happening and you just keep keep clicking and you come to what's going on okay texas says we have a wisteria growing up a tree it's about 30 feet in height has never bloomed does it need more sun or more fertilizer or what do you suggest okay, don't fertilize it but growing up a tree uh it's it needs more sun the wisteria is a full sun plant. It likes a really lean soil. If it's in too rich of a soil, it won't bloom. And wisteria is a, a plant that's slower to mature, so sometimes it doesn't bloom for five to seven years after you plant it. But I would guess in this case it is the sun issue, and I would take it off of the tree unless you want the tree to die. Wow. Yeah. They get really big. Wisterias get really big and really heavy, and they can possibly choke a tree. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, Texas says, we received uh, the Diffenbachia's uh, gift about two months ago. Cool. We transplanted it into a larger container using miracle Grow potting soil, have repeatedly had leaves turn yellow and die. Could there have been something wrong with the soil or how much water it's retaining? What would you suggest? It, it, it could be. I doubt that there's something wrong with the soil, but anything's possible. I would just, first of all, maybe check the soil, put your finger in it, see how wet it is. Maybe it is too wet. There's always, when you transplant things, there, there's you ex- you have to expect a little bit of shock to the plant. And if you're really worried, if the soil seems really wet, pull the plant up and see what the roots are doing. If the roots are rotting and mushy, then that soil's way too wet. Get rid of those rotting, mushy roots. Um, get new soil or dry out that soil and then transplant it carefully. Make sure you don't over or underwater it and don't, um, don't fertilize your transplanted plants until they're actively growing again. And f- so that might be a few months or even... Uh, six or seven, eight months. Mm, okay. I put my tired amaryllis outside this spring so the leaves could regenerate mm-hmm. the bulb. Sort of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Just noticed it is in full bloom. How do oh. I realign it for Christmas? <laughs> you know, I would probably just, just let it bloom, um, cut off the bloom as soon as it starts to fade, and and hope for a longer summer into fall, give it as much more energy as possible, and see if you can kick back kickstart it back in again, but it's obviously very happy. Sounds like it. That's wonderful. Uh, Lawn, Texter says, was very green a month ago. As summer moves along, a lot of my grass blades turning golden brown color. Mm -hmm. I purchased a bag of granules to treat fungus thinking it was brown patch throughout my lawn. Did I waste my money? What should I do? I don't know without seeing the lawn, but a lot of our, when we, when we go into the into August when it gets droughty, a lot of the Kentucky bluegrass does go dormant. So your lawn can look kind of awful for a little while, but then as soon as it cools down and, and we get more moisture, it, it greens up again. It depends on what kind of grass you've got growing out there. Uh, if you've got a, a weird kind of grass, a weird species of grass, that could have some impact. Maybe it doesn't like the hot sun. Maybe you have... Um, the perennial, oh, I can't remember what it is. Um, one of the, um, one of there's a, there's a perennial grass that doesn't like the sun, and um, it, it's a little better in the shade, and it's it's a rough 
grass that we really don't want in our lawns, but sometimes it's in seedling mix, seed mixes. I can't remember what it is. Sam would be so ashamed of me. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sam. I just can't remember what I that one was. I think he'd forgive you. I just can't remember what that was. But um, but but so you need to know what kind of grass you've got out there. And again, go to the extension website, extension.umn.edu, and click on what's wrong with my plant, and that'll give you some ideas. And if this happens every year at this time, then you know it's just the kind of grass you have and what it's doing. In fact, you had mentioned the website. Someone just sent a text. Uh, please uh, state again the EDU address. Is that an email or a website? That's it's a, a website, website, but there is a click link, so you can then send a question, and I think it's got an email on there. Cause, yeah. I understand, Texter says, that Creeping Charlie is edible. It Do is. Do you know if this is so? It is. It's prob- It's not very palatable. It doesn't have a really pleasant taste, but you can eat it. Um, as with eating any new plants, you want to make sure, first of all, that you only eat a little bit at it. First of all, that you'd have identified it properly, that it is edible, that you only eat a little bit at a time because your system may or may not like it. Um, but yeah, it, it is edible, but not a lot of people like it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of plants that are edible. You probably don't want to eat them. Are there scent-free irises? I can't stand their scent. That I'm not sure about. I, I've never noticed that irises have a really strong, overpowering scent, but I don't have a good sense of smell, so that's hard for me. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I would probably look at some iris uh, catalogs and see if they do say fragrance-free, but I have not noticed that. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that one. We have seconds to go. Okay. Could Teresa please mention that lawn fertilizers should have a middle number of zero to keep the ponds and wetlands healthy? That is correct. Any lawn fertilizer will have zero phosphorus in the center. Um, And unless you are starting your new lawn, you are not allowed to use that in the center. All right. Teresa, we'll see you down the road. See you down the road. Thank Thank you. Thank you very much. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.